Hey, before you start today's episode, I just wanted to jump on in and tell you about something so very exciting. I am holding my first ever summit. The Rise Above Summit is going to be on the 20th and the 21st of March and the tickets to it are free. All you have to do is register at theriseabovesummit.com. Now, I have pulled together the most phenomenal lineup for you. Honestly, it's like a who's who of the online world. So if you have an online business that you want to grow, so you're either a course creator, a membership owner, or a coach and do offer group programs, then this is definitely the summit for you. You are going to learn everything you need to know from the best experts out there in terms of growing that business. Let me just give you a little rundown of some of the speakers that we've got speaking. We've got the amazing Amy Porterfield, who's going to be sharing with us about growing her audience and basically creating a million dollar online business. We've got the phenomenal Michael Hyatt, who is a New York Times bestselling author, who's going to be talking to us about getting organized in our business. We've got Mike from the Membership Guys, who's going to be talking about using free content to sell your online membership. We've got Lucy Street from Adobe Express sharing the secret source of social media. We've got Graham Cochran, who's talking about a million dollar life giving business formula. And I do an amazing interview with him. We have Adrian Salisbury talking about three keys to maximizing your own camera presence. We have Kirsten Miller, Mary Hyatt, Joy Ann Boyce. Uh, we have Fifi Mason, Robin Kennedy. We have Kylie Lang, Melanie Moore, Jen Lena, Natalie Bullen, Liz Mosley. Like the list goes on and on and on. We honestly have the most phenomenal people. We also have various different activities that you can take part in that go from meditation to tapping to doing marketing in 10 minutes. So we've got lots of fun things and there's also competitions to get amazing swag. So go and check out theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP passed, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it and I can't wait to see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 108. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you? How are things going? So at time of recording this episode, it's a very rainy February day. So I'm hoping by the time you're listening to this, it's kind of mid-March and the sun might be shining. Let's hope so. I am desperate for the spring to come and to have some nicer, warmer weather. That's why in episode 100, when we talked about we would want to move to the States, that's one of the reasons. Wouldn't it just be lovely to wake up every day and the sun to be shining. It Honestly, I think it puts us in such a better mood, so much nicer mood. Okay, this week's episode is an interview, and it's with the really, really lovely John Asperian. So John and I had followed each other on social media for quite some time, but we met properly for the first time at Cambridge Social Day when I was keynoting Cambridge Social Day, and he was speaking there as well, and he talked about LinkedIn. Now, I love it, and I don't know about you, but I love it when I do an episode of the podcast or when I meet people or I see people and they teach me something. 
because obviously I'm in this world a lot. I do a lot of stuff in this world. I know lots of it, obviously, or otherwise people wouldn't pay me. You wouldn't pay me to do the academy and you wouldn't listen to the podcast. So I obviously know lots and lots of stuff, but I really do enjoy learning from people and them telling me things that I don't know. And this was exactly what John did. So John describes himself as the relentlessly helpful technical copywriter and author of Content DNA, formerly a Microsoft Mac MVP and director of the Society of Editors and Proofreaders. Gosh, that's a mouthful. Um, And John writes business-to-business web content to help clients explain how their products and services and processes work. So basically, he's a technical copywriter. Now, that in itself is a hell of a skill. Well, first off, copywriting is a real skill. Then to be a technical copywriter so that not only do you have to understand technical elements of things, but you then have to translate it into a language that basically anyone can pick up and read. So that is a phenomenal skill. But what John has done is that is his business. That's what he does. However, in order to prove and show how he is good at writing technical copy. He's been putting together content around LinkedIn and it's really helped him stand out and he uses LinkedIn as his platform. So he's not, although he's very well known as a LinkedIn person, I don't think, you know, John's long-term aim is not to become the LinkedIn king. His his long-term aim for his business is to keep doing his technical copywriting and to grow his business that way. But he's just using content and LinkedIn as a really good tool in order to get that out there. So John knows some amazing hacks and tricks that he uses on LinkedIn. And like I said, things that I haven't heard before. So I had to have him on. He is relentlessly helpful and is a super, super lovely guy. So I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. And I would highly recommend, and obviously I'll link to this in the show notes, but I do recommend that you go and follow John on LinkedIn just because he does put so much content out there and some really smart, clever things. And a bit like me, we test things, you know, so I did the five day challenge. By the time this episode comes out, it's done. But by the time I'm recording it, I haven't even started it. But the whole point of it doing anything is I can then come back and tell you what worked, what didn't work, how to do it, how not to do it, how not to you know, waste time, how to do it efficiently, how to get best results. And that's basically what John does. So he does that for LinkedIn. He sort of tests his own things himself. And then he'll write a very well-written and straightforward blog post on what that is and how that works and whether you should do it. So like I said, highly recommend that you go and check him out on LinkedIn. But obviously first, take a listen to this brilliant episode with John. Okay, I am so excited to welcome today's guest to the podcast. Welcome, John Asperian. Thanks for having me, Teresa. Really excited for this one. No worries. I'm excited because you and I have been in each other's worlds for a little while now, and you have a very unique presence on social media, so you're very easy to spot in terms of your graphics and things. And then we were at, uh, we've been at some events, but we really got chatted at Cambridge Social Day, didn't we? Because we were both speaking there. And John gives the coolest stuff away in terms of content that I just had to have him on and had to have him talking about all things content and LinkedIn. But before we jump into that, John, just explain to my listeners, if they haven't heard from you before, who you are and how you got to do what you're doing now. Okay, so I'm a content writer. Uh, I work in B2B and I've been doing that independently for about 10 years. But before then, I was a software and hardware tester. So I was the guy who was poking and fiddling with stuff and trying to work out why it was broken or why it wasn't, you know, the manuals weren't as clear as they could have been. And when I got made redundant from that job, I took that that main skill that I had, which is understanding how stuff works and explaining it to people so that they don't feel stupid and putting that into writing. So, yeah, it's been 10 years independent now. That's what I do. I, I work on websites and some social media content to help people explain how products and services and processes work. That 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 is my service. That. So I need to explain, John, that honestly would be my idea of hell. I'm so sorry. You obviously have a brain that I don't have because the technical side of stuff I would really struggle with. But also, as these guys know, because they listen all the time, I don't like writing particularly anyway. So doing that, it's is it quite niche? Is it like 
Are there many yeah, people it, doing it? It can be. I mean, you know, there, there are a million and one copywriters out there, but there yeah. aren't so many who focus on explaining stuff as opposed to just selling stuff. I'm yeah. not really interested in in the world of influence and selling. I'm more interested in explaining because the best feeling in the world for me is when someone's furrowing their brow and going, oh, I don't get this. Mm-hmm. And then you tell them something and they go, oh, why didn't someone just say that to start with? Yeah. And, that, and I love giving people that, that realisation. It really helps them. And then, then I become, you know, the person of interest for them because I explain other stuff and they kind of, they see what I'm doing and then maybe some of them hire me to write content for their yeah. website and all of their customers suddenly understand what's going on. So that's, that's cool. And I think that's great because in every industry and in this industry as well, in the marketing industry, there are people who who make a living out of confusing people because <laughs> they like the fact. And do you know what? Having done a marketing degree, and I can say all the fancy words if you want me to, but people don't know what you're talking about. And therefore, yeah. I am very much like you, John. My aim is that I teach people in a way that makes perfect sense to them and their business. So actually, I think, like I said, there's a lot of people out there who like the fact that they sound like the smartest person in the room. But just explain to me, so if someone hires you as a copywriter and they are they have a tool or a system that you've never used before, how on no. earth do you then work it out to then tell other people how to use it? Well, that all starts with interviews. I, I get in front of a subject matter expert. Um, thank goodness for Zoom, so I don't actually have to go to people's yeah. factories <laughs> and stuff like that anymore. And I just ask them questions until I, I just break them psychologically. <laughs> and like, you know, I say, well, why does it do that? How does this work? What, why is that important? Who cares about yeah. this? Yeah. Uh, you know, if if I was trying to explain this to my grandma, what, what what's the long and short of it? And we just keep asking questions until you get to the root of mm. what value they're putting into the world and in what way it would be best to express that given their personality. Um, and once we've got that, we just try and make it as simple as possible. So mm. these people who do try and obfuscate, you know, they hide through complex language. That That isn't the route to influencing anyone or helping anyone. Okay. You know, the, all the stats show that the simpler your language is, the more understandable it is, the more relatable it is. And, and people will actually see you as being more intelligent mm. if you keep your language simple. And, you know, we can see this in, to be honest, we can see this in the world of politics. The, yeah. the, the simpler your messaging is, the more people will remember it and take actions. So uh, it's all about just keeping things simple and clear, not trying to have too much ego and and, um, and just talking the way that real people talk, even though yeah. we're talking about techie things, you can still explain things in a simple way. And that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I've found that I'm reasonably good at. That's really cool. And I think you do what, I suggest other people do that you ask the stupid questions like you know whenever I'm speaking whenever I'm doing anything teaching coaching calls it's like there's never a stupid question because I could be saying something and the other thing is often in our own businesses we're very much wrapped up in it and we forget that people don't know the really basic stuff we forget that people don't necessarily know the terminology for that thing or the word for that thing so actually having someone out of that industry altogether like you trying to make sense of it you you're able to go well hang on you just said that I don't know what that word means without any feeling of oh I should because we've all done it I worked in corporate world for a long time marketing corporate world I used to sit in meetings and think I don't even know what half of them are saying but I was so embarrassed because I just thought I would look stupid I was sat there with my marketing degree like I should know what they're on about and I didn't have a clue and it's like I didn't want to ask the question whereas now like you said I think it's all about just being totally and utterly hang on a minute what do you mean by that what is that Yes, exactly. Um, it's called the curse of knowledge. You know, we, we just we think that everyone else understands things on the same level that we do. Mm. We forget that we might be experts in the subject. And marketing is a good case. You know, someone bangs yeah. on about the four P's and no person in the street has any clue what that means. No. So, yes, if you can just get over that and understand what the other person is thinking, which is make it simpler for me. No one ever complained, really, that, that something no. was too simple and easy to understand. So if no. you can keep honing your message to make it easy and quick to yeah. understand, easy to remember, then um, you'll be on to a winner. 
And I think I have this very slightly mean sounding, but I swear it comes with love and affection, that where I say that people online are a bit stupid and a bit lazy. <laughs> and what I mean is you've just got to write for the lowest kind like denominator. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you're writing for that level and you're assuming everyone is that, then you are catching as many people as you can catch. Whereas if you're if you're writing for a certain level, you know, and especially in our own industries, who am I writing for? Other marketers or other people like me? Or am I writing for my customers? So I think that's such a good point. So tell me how you got from doing that to doing all the stuff you do on LinkedIn and becoming seen as a LinkedIn expert and that sort of thing. Well, uh, I I was late to the social media game. I didn't really have any kind of social media presence of of, of any note until about 2014. But and, and nothing worked for me for a few years. I tried every different network you could imagine: Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, yeah. you name it. And eventually, I, I don't know, a kind of light bulb went off, and I thought, well, I, I'm trying to target people who work in B two B. Where would be the best place for me to hang out? And then it's kind of a head slap moment. Obviously, yep. LinkedIn would be the place. And that coincided, luckily for me, with Microsoft buying out LinkedIn at the end of 2016. And they changed the user interface. They changed the algorithm. Yeah, they made it and much so I nicer. thought at that, at that time, I thought, let's just dive into this thing. I'd already studied content marketing. So I knew that, you know, this, this idea of building a body of knowledge in one place answering people's questions would be a good long-term play I've never really liked ads so I thought we'll do this organically we'll do it without ads we'll do it with a really long-term plan for building authority and so I started um, posting content about LinkedIn which is what I was learning about at the time how can I use it to promote my business but because my business often involves working with clients who I can't name for, for, for privacy yeah. reasons, um, I couldn't talk about my clients. But what I could do is express my ability to explain how stuff works. And so I used LinkedIn to explain how LinkedIn works, mm. with the subtext being, well, if I can explain how this works, maybe I can explain how your remote control works or, or, yeah, yeah. or HR process or whatever. And what happened was precisely nothing. So, so I didn't get any kind of engagement. <laughs> I didn't really get any followers, connections. I didn't certainly didn't get any work from it. But because I'd had this long-term vision that, that, that building it would pay off in year two or year three or maybe even year five, and I'd seen other examples of people who've done the same thing, you know, no one is an overnight success. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, let's stick at this. And after about month nine, I managed to get an article published in Social Media Examiner, which got me quite a bit yeah. of exposure. And then things started to happen. People started to say, well, look, you know, maybe this guy does seem to know what he's talking about. Let's connect with him. Maybe he could do some writing for our website. And it kind of snowballed from there. But mm. um, yeah, in the first nine months or so, absolutely nothing. And I just want to pause on that for a minute because of the fact that we've just had this conversation and we were talking about the podcast and we were talking about consistency. And I have said a number of times that month nine was the the month for me where suddenly it all kind of blew up. Maybe that's a magic number. Maybe it was just coincidence that you and I both had that. But I think I love the honesty of you saying I did this and nothing happened because I think there are too many people out there who think, I do a tweet and everything happens. And and the other thing is sometimes they listen to people like us who have been doing this for some time. So I put something up on LinkedIn the other day. And one thing I'm going to be doing now going forward is I'm going to be promoting more about the academy in terms of what we're doing in the academy in order to try and encourage people to come and check it out and come and join and come and be part of it. So I put up a post saying, Academy members, here are the dates for Facebook Lives that are going to happen. The first one is happening this Friday. And it's going to be about, we're recording this, by the way, at the beginning of the uh, 2020. And it's going to be about content planning for the year or not not so much content planning as in uh, campaigns. So we're talking about campaigns. Anyway, put this post up on LinkedIn immediately had someone comment on it. Teresa, how do I get access to these? I don't know this person. I've never met them. And of course, I was able to then go back and say, great, uh, these are part of the academy. Here's the link to find out more. Let me know what you think or whatever. And 
people will hear that and they'll think, oh, brilliant. So they put a post up and nothing happens. But it's like, you've got to remember that I have been doing this consistently. I've been building my contacts on there consistently for years. And that's why you and I now have successes like that. But I think people think they can expect that within the first five minutes. Yeah, that's right. I, I get increasingly more questions asking, you know, how can I get the levels of engagement that you're getting on your post? And I will say to them, look back at my posts in 2017 yeah. when I got two comments on a post mm-hmm. if I was lucky. I'm saying the same things, or at least I'm approaching it in the same way. Yeah. But no one knew who I was then. You, you've got to, you've got to be in the conversation for long enough to people to for people to start caring about you and start remembering your name. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to having really clear branding, you know, both written and visual. If you keep showing up with that same shape, as I call it in my yeah. book, then people will start remembering you. But no one's going to trust you from day one. No. Um, so so you just need to be in the conversation for long enough and of course that's a message that is hard to sell because no, no one wants to wait well, two years or, or whatever it is before stuff starts happening for them but that's what happened for me it's happened for you it's happened for mm-hmm. countless other people I could name and there's no there's no sugarcoating that you, no. you've got to go through those hard that hard graft you yeah. know if you're learning how to bake a cake you're not going to bake a brilliant cake on day one no you know keep practicing you'll improve people start taking notice of you so yeah that, that's just a really important foundational thing to get right is mm. if you keep showing up stuff will happen and I think you're right people do ask well how do I get that how do I get what you've got mm. how do I as if we've got some magic formula mm. and I think unfortunately there are some people out there who do make out that they've got a magic formula and there isn't one it is just a case of being tenacious and showing up every day and also What's interesting is I was having a conversation just yesterday about someone saying that now they're focusing on certain things and they wouldn't waste their time on speaking and they wouldn't waste their time on doing these other things that aren't making their business money. So I had someone come to me say, do you think that's right? And do you think I should do this? And it's like, okay, I totally hear what these people are saying. I totally hear that opinion and I, and that's totally understandable for them and where they're at. But the point is they wouldn't be where they're at if they didn't do all that other stuff. They wouldn't be in an opportunity where they can go right now. I don't need to do so much of that. And I don't need to do so much of that if they hadn't have done it all. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, Mm. if, if speaking gets you seen by loads of people, then you might come to a point where you go, I don't need to do so much of that, or I'm going to be a bit more picky, or I'm only going to do it if they pay me. But in the, you can't do that in the first days because you need to take everything and, and you can't get to the point of making that decision until you've gone through all that hard stuff. So I think sometimes people look at people in a position and go, well, this is how they're driving their business forward now. I need to do the same. And it's like, yeah, but you're not in the same position as them. You need to be seen. You need to try all these things. You need to realize that was a waste of time. And actually that's good. And I need to keep doing this before you can then go, now I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And even if you do have lots of different activities, I think the most important thing is to make sure that you're known for that one thing, ideally, mm. like the, the one message that you're trying to get across to people. Keep it nice and simple. Um, one of the best tips I've got for LinkedIn, in fact, this is really true for any social media, I think, is mm. to just invest in relationships as much as possible. You know, there's so many people I see who are just trying to put salesy content or low yeah. value content out. And they don't make any effort to respond either publicly or privately. So the publicly is all the gold happens in the the, the comment section, really, yeah. just building your, your relationships and also indirect messages. And I can't really, there's no way I can really throw a spotlight on that. It's all stuff that happens behind the scenes. But mm. that relationship building is so, so important because... I just lose count of the number of recommendations and referrals I get from people who I've helped and I've just stayed in touch with mm. to, just to be the, the, the helpful person in their network. Yeah. And they might not hire me, but they'll know someone who does want to hire me. Mm. All of that kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes is really, really important in, in building a successful social media presence for me. And I think if you don't put that effort in, you're not going to get very far. No. And that's the thing that when people talk about content, and as you've mentioned, you've got a new book coming out, which is very, very exciting. So tell us when it's coming out, just because obviously at this point, 
I have a vague idea when your podcast episode is coming out, but I don't know the exact date. <laughs> so tell us when the book's coming out so they can keep an eye out for it. Yes, the book is Content DNA and it's coming out at the end of April. We're going to be launching it at Atomicon in Newcastle. Which is exciting. the 28th of April, so yes. Yes, and I'm speaking there and it's going to be very exciting. I mean, it's going to be a good event and it was brilliant last year. But but yeah, so again, like you said, you know, you're doing this book, you've done a whole book on content and sometimes I think people just think, oh, I've got to put content out there and they forget that this is a two-way conversation. They forget that... It, you know, what if that person had posted, how do I get access to this? And I hadn't responded. Well, yeah. I'd have just thrown that in the bin. You know what I mean? That what a mm-hmm. waste of time. So the fact is that I, you know, responded fairly swiftly. I, I went back to it, not anybody else. Again, someone tagged me in a post. Um, I'm speaking at another event and they were like, you know, very, very kindly said, you know, I'm coming because Teresa's speaking. Mm-hmm. And again, I could have just gone, oh yeah, great. And just not done anything with it, but immediately went back and I was like, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you know, that's the case. And because that's the whole point. It's a two-way thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. No question. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about LinkedIn. Let's talk about some of these tips because first of all, I want to say, why, why are we bothering and should it only be business to business people? I don't think it needs to be only business to business people. I've seen product-based B2C services do really well. You know, florists, people selling shoes, all sorts of stuff can do well on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's, LinkedIn's underlying financial model really relies on them getting big corporates and people paying for LinkedIn premium. Okay. That's different to Facebook and other places where it's becoming more pay-to-play because it's just the whole platform is free and therefore you need ads to boost your content. That same thing doesn't really apply to LinkedIn. And also LinkedIn is a smaller network, which means right now organic reach on LinkedIn will trump every other social media platform, possibly TikTok, you could argue, but I don't think you'd likely find many um, customers there, I, no. I would guess. So, so, so LinkedIn's organic reach is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, people people's quality of discussion there tends to be a lot better as well. So if you want to engage an audience, that's where you're more likely to have civilised discussion, which if you look at any popular tweet on Twitter, for example, that tends to descend into horribleness pretty quickly. Yeah, it can do. It doesn't really happen so much on LinkedIn. And 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 its search capabilities are really good. So if you want to go and target people specifically, Mm -hmm. um, build your network, it's, it's it's fantastic for that as well. So uh, I've just found that, uh, you know, the engagement levels and organic reach potential mm. for content creators is fantastic on LinkedIn. And that, that's where my posts are getting a lot of success. So that, that's, that's why I recommend that. And it can yeah. work B2B and B2C. Fab. So in terms of posts, obviously LinkedIn, because it is different. So yeah. you have two options on LinkedIn. You have a post and you have articles. Yeah. So can you just explain the difference between them and should I be doing both? Should I be doing one? What's the, what's the deal with that? Yes, I think you should be doing all sorts of uh, LinkedIn content sharing. Posts are short form content. They can be up to 1300 characters. Um, they'll appear in the feed, the main feed that you get when you load LinkedIn. And they, they tend to have a half life, if you like, or, you know, an exposure potential of maybe a couple of days. Yeah, it, it, they, they tend not to last much longer than that. But that is much, much longer than you see on other uh, social sure. platforms on twitter it might be 15 minutes and then you'll never see that yeah. tweet again if it doesn't pick up and fly um so that's good linkedin articles will get you far fewer views but they're good for building authority uh, they're indexed uh, on google so they've got an seo potential they can be up to a hundred thousand characters long so you can really go into a lot of depth i mean yeah. very few blog posts would ever be that long and so I think it's a good to have a mix of short form post, which is would be the majority of your content, yeah. and the longer form articles for people who really want to dig in and, and be sure that you've got the expertise that you're claiming to have. Your latest article gets featured on your profile as well. So if you've got okay. real one really killer subject that you want to uh, draw people's attention to as soon as they look at your profile, it's good to have that logged. Uh, in an article and of course as I say there's the SEO potential although having said that within the last few months Google has started to index uh, short form posts as well so that means that the first line of your LinkedIn posts could be seen as an SEO 
title you know okay you might want to write your first line as if it were a headline of a mini blog post because there's a potential for that getting picked up by google so that's a recent change so can you give me an example of how that might look in reality so if you were going to put a post up today with that in mind yeah how would that look Okay, well, I mean, I, I always start my short form posts with an emoji symbol, but then I would follow with a with an SEO friendly title. So it might be something like seven ways to stand out on LinkedIn in 2020. Something and, like that. Would, and would, you would, would still probably. do that as a post or would that link to another article or a blog or? If you can get everything done within 1300 characters, it's far better to do it as a post. Because okay. it, it means that there's less burden on the reader to have to click somewhere else to take you somewhere else. Okay. And also LinkedIn does what a lot of other social media platforms do, which is they don't like external links. They don't even like internal links, which is weird. It means that if you include a link on your post, that post is going to be flattened by the algorithm. It just won't be displayed to your followers or, or very few That's, of your followers. Yeah. There is a hack to work around that, which is, uh, has been working yeah. for the last two years, which is you make a LinkedIn post uh, without including your link, you post it, you wait a few seconds, you edit uh, it, you insert the link. That's called the right post edit method. Okay. It doesn't make any sense that that would work, no. but it does work. As soon as I started making that change about two years ago, my, my posts containing links got about 10 times the, the view count that they did before. And when I shared it the first time, people said, well, you've exposed it now. LinkedIn will close this loophole. They haven't. Uh, And it still works now. So that's probably my most effective tip if you're sharing external link um, in your post. Because some things you're going to want to, aren't you? You know, some things you can put in the post, some things you'll absolutely want to send them somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, if you want to try and drive traffic back to your website, which ultimately Mm -hmm. you you would love to have the conversation on your own domain because you're in full control of everything that happens then. But you have to be mindful that people are on social media for a reason. They're not Mm -hmm. on there looking for an exit sign to take them to your site. But if you want to give them that option, this is the best way of doing it because it doesn't impact or barely impacts the organic reach of that kind of content. So that's a really, really important one to get right. And so let me just clarify, just to make sure everybody heard this right. So you write your post, Mm -hmm. you don't put the link in the post, you publish it, you give it a few minutes, you go... Even just seconds, okay, and then edit it. Go back in, edit the actual post. You don't do it as a comment, you can still do it in the actual post, write click here and put the link in and it won't or doesn't affect it as badly. That's correct. And and some people would recommend putting it in the comments instead. And I think that's a bad idea because if the comments get busy, LinkedIn does algorithmic sorting of the comments. And so what was the first comment, see first comment, might become the seventh comment or the 23rd comment. And then you've you've lost the link. So it's much better to put it in the body of the text. And of course, you can do that through this this edit method one negative of doing that is it doesn't put the preview image in so if, okay. if the link was going yes. to generate a preview it won't put that in but what if, if you used an image yes you could make an image post to start with yes and that would get around that problem the other thing from a branding point of view is that if your domain was you know teresaheathwearing.com yeah. in the original post nice and visible in the edited version, it gets shortened to lnkd.in, okay. okay. which looks a bit ugly. But the trade-off is a lot more people will see the content, so it's yeah. well worth doing. Yeah. So there no, are some awesome. negatives, but it's well worth doing. Can I ask your opinion on the longer posts? So I was, um, I was listening to Radio 1 because I'm young and cool. Uh, <laughs> if you're not in the UK, it's like... It's probably what my teenagers would listen to, but we like cool music. So we were listening to that and they said that someone was having a rant about Instagram and how, why are people writing essays in Instagram? Because it's not about that. And, you know, you shouldn't be doing all this. I mean, obviously it was not from a business reason, by the way, it was just personalities. How do you feel though about having such long posts? Do you think, because sometimes I don't know about anybody else, but when I see read more, I click it. And if suddenly it goes, boof, like, Mm -hmm loads of words I'm like Mm-mm, no time for that move on what's your experience with that what do you think I, I think the the post should be as short as it needs to be to get the point across okay um 
it's worthwhile being longer than the Seymour breakpoint, which, depending on the kind of post it is, will either be three lines or five lines. And the reason being is that it, when you click Seymour, LinkedIn can see, oh, there's something interesting in here. Someone's okay. clicked Seymour. Whereas okay. if you'd only written, if you'd only written two lines, Seymour yeah. wouldn't be available. Yeah. So they, they can't get that impression of how much you've read. Mm. Because the thing, the thing with LinkedIn view counts is that they're all based on this thing called impressions, which is has the post loaded in the feed? Mm-hmm. Now they can't tell whether you've actually read it. No. Nope. All they can tell is it's been loaded and it could have been read, and that counts as a view. But if you're thumb scrolling at a million miles an hour, you're, you're racking up views for loads of posts. It doesn't mean you've read any of them. No. And so that means that view counts can be very, very high, but they don't necessarily correlate to eyeballs paying real attention to the content. Mm-hmm. And this is why view counts for other types of content will be a lot lower, but potentially a lot more valuable. So okay. there are two examples here. One is videos. Now, a video view counts only after it's been viewed for three seconds, mm-hmm. which might not seem like a lot, but it's it's longer than a thumb scroll. So it yeah. means that you've at least given it, it's come into your consciousness and you've yeah. given it some attention. Yeah. And an article view will be even lower, but they, they can only be counted when they've clicked. someone's clicked. Yeah. You can't see an article by accident. You have to have clicked on it. Mm. And as any web copywriter will tell you, the hardest thing to get people to do is to click on something and give it their attention. So article views will be low, and that's why a lot of people are put off by them. Oh, you know, I only got 300 views on that, but I got 5,000 on this post. Yeah. So what? Those Mm. 300 people took a conscious action and probably paid attention, or at least a bit of it, whereas those 5,000 people might have just scrolled right past and, okay, it was there, but they didn't really read it. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind. You can't make a direct comparison between um, different kinds of views. Is there a way of telling that, though? So if I have put a post up that has a see more bit, can I then see who's clicked the see more? No. LinkedIn can, you can't. Okay. So one of the important points around this is one of the content types on LinkedIn is getting a lot of boosting at the moment by the looks of it, which is document posts. They're sometimes called carousel posts. So you can create Word document, PDF, or PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. and you can upload that native as a LinkedIn post. And my document posts are getting something like two and a half times the view counts that my normal text posts are. And my normal text posts are doing pretty well. So document posts are getting what looks like a bit of a push from LinkedIn to say, have a look at these. Yeah, because it's different. Isn't they're different, it? yes. They're, they're different, but they they they've got a greater potential to keep you engaged for longer, especially if they're nicely visually designed. Yeah. Good first slide, so you're clicking the left and right buttons and you're switching between these pages, but you're staying within the LinkedIn environment to do it. I'm not sending you off to a gated page on my yeah. website to get you to download something. Who's got time for that? Yeah, you're putting it direct into LinkedIn. So if you've got things like top ten tips rate guides, you know, pricing yeah. things, or the kind of thing that you might want to put in an article, but you could just as easily format with a nice infographic and some mm. other text into a PDF, that will get loads more views than than pretty much every other content type on LinkedIn. So document posts are a bit of a secret weapon and they're getting yeah. boosted by LinkedIn, so definitely use them. So playing devil's advocate then, um because obviously we want people on our email list and therefore we want some gated content. So in my mind, and you tell me whether you agree or disagree to this, I would do some stuff as PDFs or as Word documents, but obviously I'd still always have some that is gated that I want them to come and And it might be that once they've seen a couple of things that isn't, that aren't gated, that are on the main feed through a document post that they then go, oh yeah, I know her stuff's really good and I'll go yeah. and get that. And it might just make them feel more confident to put their details in. Yeah. My, my answer to that is twofold. One, at the end of every document post, make a very clear call to action about what you want that person to do yeah. once they've got to the final slide. So if it's, get more of this kind of stuff, go here. That's a good call to action. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just test everything. 
So yeah. don't assume that just because, for example, I put all of my stuff out, I don't really get anything. I've got one paid. I've got one paid LinkedIn thing, um, and I, I don't really get anything else. I, I go on the basis that if my content is good enough, and I can get it pushed out as with as little friction as possible, um, people will come to me because it yeah. will be. I'm, I'm showing them everything. Mm. Um, but just because that works for me, takes a lot of effort, by the way, mm. um, doesn't mean it'll work for you. And so test everything. So if you yeah. can split test, you know, this week I'm going to be pointing people to my website for my sign up. Mm-hmm. Next week, I'm going to be putting out PDFs with a call to action. The third week, I'm going to be doing something else. Yeah. And look at your stats and just see what's working. Um, you, you can't make split decisions on just one post or two. But if you test it, you will eventually be able to optimize what works for your audience, which won't be the same as what works for mine. And again, I totally agree. And when you think about our products and our services, and and again, I want people, you know, as you're listening to this, I want you to try and think about what are you, you know, what do you sell? What's your service? So for me, I'm selling online stuff. I'm selling memberships and and courses and 90 day programs. And therefore, Mine is more about numbers because mm-hmm. it's as many people in the funnel as possible, <clears throat> as we've talked about before, in order to convert as many people as possible. Yep. Whereas, John, in your business, the work that you're doing is much more, no one just buys your service online, do they? No. They don't do a checkout page and go, boom, here's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever That's your right. costs are. They have a conversation with you. So therefore, yep. for you, that is a great strategy because the point is you want them to see how expert you are. Yep. And then contact you and say, hey, John, I've seen this. You're really good. Tell me about your services. Can you help me with this? Because at the end of the day, what you then charge them for that thing is way above what I charge for an academy member. So I want an academy member to come through the funnel with, and they don't get very much touch point of me physically. You know, if someone contacted me and say, can I have a call about whether to join the academy? Well, that's not how that system works, you know. And if I had to speak to everybody personally that joined the academy, I couldn't do it. It'd be, it wouldn't be viable cost-wise. So, yeah. so again, think about what you're selling online or wh- whether you're selling person to person. If you're building high-end contacts, then that's a great strategy. You don't perhaps need to worry as as hardly about email list building as maybe I need to think about Yes. Um, in both of our cases, because we're content creators, yeah. we will both benefit from having more eyeballs on our content. For sure. Now, there's a couple of things about this. I think the most important metric to measure if you're going to measure anything on LinkedIn is how many people end up viewing your profile, because I think mm-hmm. your profile should be your one stop sales page, really, whereas your content will help and inform your profile is there really to sell you, brand yeah. you, to get people interested in whatever your core service is. And having more people look at your content, if you are a content creator, is obviously the first step to getting people interested enough to click through to your profile. Mm-hmm. Now, the, one of the best ways I've found to get those eyeballs on your content is if you make a switch to follow first. Now, this is, I've been talking a lot about this recently because it's had a fantastic result for me. So, so explain by, what this is. Yes. So by default, someone who is not connected with you visits your LinkedIn profile and they see a connect button. They'll connect. They'll try to connect with you. That involves sending you an invitation or maybe not. And then there's some work on your end where you've got to go, well, should I connect with this person? Who are they anyway? Who are they connected to? What kind of stuff do they post? If you're already creating content and you've got some kind of audience, it would be much better if you could just add to that audience without having to do anything at all, without having to interact at that first point. That would be following where they, the other person agrees to say, I want John's or Teresa's content in my feed and, and I'll be happy with that as a first point. Now, LinkedIn has a setting in the privacy section, which will let you make the follow button primary. So in other words, instead of when they visit your profile, instead of seeing the connect button, they'll see the follow button. And what was the connect button will go into the hide into the more menu. So it's still there, but they're kind of switch positions. Now, I made this change more than a year ago. And in the calendar year of 2019, it led to me adding 10,000 new followers to my Holy moly, man. Now, bear in mind that in the 10 years previous to that, admittedly, I wasn't active for a lot of those 10 years. 
I had 5,000 followers. So I added 10,000 followers in one year, and I'm probably going to add, I would expect 15,000 this year because there's a compounding effect once you start getting popular. So if you're a content creator and you've already got a kind of critical mass of connections, I'm guessing around a 1,000, Mm-hmm. And you're a regular content creator, you've got something helpful to say or some kind of something that you want to share with people. Follow first mode is, is fantastic. Now, as I said earlier, you need to test because what works for me might not work for yeah. you. But this has been transformational for me. But my 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 stats have just gone up in, enormously because of this. Amazing. And my profile views now, if I look back to three years ago when I started, they're now 45 times higher. Wow. Right. So I was getting about 100 profile views per 90 day measured period. It's all, it yeah. always goes back three months. It's now 4,500 views in that measure. Amazing. Period. And obviously, a small proportion of those people will want to contact me, will want to learn more about my yeah. service, will want to hire me. And so that has a direct impact on my bottom line. Um, and Follow First has been a big part of that. So if you're a content creator, go into your privacy section, go into the followers and click make follow primary and give it a try for a few months and see whether that works for you. It's done wonders for a lot of people I know as well. That's, that's really fascinating. And you know why I like this as well? Because I have been to certain people's profiles that are really high, like, you know, very in our industry, like rock stars and there's say follow. Right. And you Mm. know how like on Facebook you can't friend request some people but you can follow them yes it does make it feel like slightly more exclusive and slightly more like you know I'm a bit of a big deal <laughs> I'm not saying that about me by the way but you know <laughs> what I mean like it, it does make you feel that yes. when you're following also and please chip in for any other thoughts on this but also it makes me feel like I'm not having to invest as much because I'm not I'm not making that purposeful connection yes. request. Yes. So I think that's genius. Yes, it is. And as the, the content creator, there's much less burden on you because although you, people can still request to connect with you, yeah. it's an extra click and they might not realise that that option is there. Mm-hmm. And so whereas I was getting sometimes 50 connection requests a day, I might only get about 10 now. It's much easier yeah. for me to run my business without having that distraction. Once someone follows you, that button that was follow turns into connect. Connect. So in other words, this is a kind of two-step thing. If they follow you and then a week later they go, oh God, this guy's content's amazing. Go back to your profile, click connect. Mm. They already know something about you. So you're more likely to have a fulfilling conversation to start with. I think it's just win-win all round, really. Yeah, so I, I really recommend this, this, this method of, of trying to build your, build the eyeballs looking at your content it will lead to, good things okay so we've got some great tips there in terms of doing the mix of posts and articles when we are doing posts making sure we go below that see more do you know how many characters that is that you've got to get past by the way in order to get to see more it depends on the number of lines so so some posts will just show three lines the other posts will show five lines so it's not really a count of characters it's more vertical space okay cool so, so make so. sure you get some of them. Use some of those new posts in terms of PDF or Word or PowerPoint. Do that follow first. I'm going to do that the minute I get off this call. <laughs> what else have you got for us, John? What other things should we be thinking about considering in terms of LinkedIn in order to get to the point where it's absolutely worth us doing this? Okay. So so this this might, might jump back a little bit to something that seems quite basic, but in all of the LinkedIn profile cons- consultations I do, people's headlines are absolutely terrible. So I've come up with a, a three-part formula for Perfect. writing a good headline. Now, your headline is 120 characters by default. There is a cheat so that if you're on iOS and only on iOS, doesn't work on Android. If you edit your headline on iOS, you can get an extra 100 characters. So that yeah. can be useful for SEO purposes. You can put a few extra keywords in. I don't really recommend going nuts with that because if you actually read it, it can be bit of a mouthful you've got essentially you've got 120 characters to play with and so what i suggest is breaking that into three sections the first 40 characters is the most important because on every view of linkedin you can be guaranteed that the first 40 characters of your headline will be shown even on the smallest mobile device and you've commented on someone's post and they see your name and they see Mm -hmm. your headline beneath it 
you will always get the first 40 characters. So that is your stock queue. That's where you've okay. got to pack in what your brand is, what how you're helping people. That's the interesting bit of yeah. your headline. The second 60 I call the informative section. So that's keywords and supportive stuff that, that, yeah. that informs what's going on in the first bit. So that's the, the second I is informative. You've got 20 characters left then. That's what I call the bravery badge, the intriguing section, okay. where you just put something a little bit different that is a conversation starter. Because what you want is conversations. You want them either in public in the comments or you want them in private through DMs. Yeah. And so I, I've put not a douche canoe in mind, which a lot of people don't understand what that means. <laughs> I have no but idea it, what that means. It relates to the anti-buyer persona that I've got in my mind. Okay. The person I don't want to serve. And I've written about yeah. this in the book as well. Brilliant. And so this 40, 60, 20, this three eyes, interesting, informative, intriguing. If you put that in your headline, that will encourage more people to take note of you Okay. If you can get people to click through to your profile, you've got a better chance of them connecting with you. You've got a better chance of them wanting to do business with you. So that, that's a really important thing to get right. And most people's headlines aren't. So John, that. can I put you on the spot and get you to read yours so we can hear how that sounds in, in practice? Uh, yes, you can. Let me just pull up my LinkedIn profile <laughs> so I can get you, get you exactly the right wording. It's relentlessly helpful technical copywriting. So that's the first bit. Yeah. And then I say for B2B websites, LinkedIn nerd, author of content DNA. So I've got a few keywords in there that inform yeah. what that means. And then finally, not a douche canoe. So that I've, I split it into three. And in the talk that I did in Cambridge, I, I picked out a few examples and, and showed how other people have, have been following that method as well. Um, that awesome. works really well. Uh, one other thing I want to say, which is also a relatively basic tip, but no, keep going. recently... The about section of LinkedIn was extended in its character length. So you used to be able to put 2,000 characters in. Mm-hmm. For reasons that no one knows, you can now put in 2,600. So okay. that extra 600 characters could be you expanding on what your core service is, you giving more contact details, or you putting more SEO keywords in that will be found in LinkedIn search. And I, I, I recommend giving people at the start of your about section again we've got this kind of see more thing happening you get a few lines of text mm-hmm. and then you've got to click see more to see the rest in those first couple of lines or those first few lines you should put your main set of contact details for people right. who won't connect with you but do, do they do want to get in touch with you somehow okay. and then at the end of that um, about section you should bookend it with all of your other contact details. So okay. just assume that people might not want to connect with you, but they still want to send you an email, or maybe they want to give you a call, or mm-hmm. they want to book a 15-minute intro with you. Yeah. Put all that stuff in, and now that you've got 2,600 characters, there's plenty of space. There's no excuse yeah. for not putting that in. And you've got room for white space and, and short lists and yeah. things that break up the content. You don't want walls of content. No, so, no. And that's another important thing to get right. Another tip would be to edit your default profile URL. So again, this is quite a basic one, but if you go to your profile and you click on edit public profile and URL, you'll see that your default profile ends with, for example, John Esperian, AB12456, yeah, uh, okay. which looks ugly on a business card or in an email. Yeah. But you can edit it and customize it just as you can with any other username. So I would recommend Great. doing that because it looks more professional. It looks like you've paid attention to your profile yeah. And your original pro link will still work. So ah, great. both of them will work just as well. Perfect. Um, um, let me think. What else? Oh, I've got, I've got another uh, useful tip. It's a bit of a weird one, which is, you know, when you, when you look at your connections in, in a LinkedIn feed, yeah. you can sometimes see a little green spot next to their name. Yeah. Um, that indicates to you that they're online. Uh, and so if you were to send them a direct message or leave them a comment, they'd probably be more likely to respond to you because they're, they're there yeah. they're online right now by default that information is displayed only to your connections but th- there's a setting you can change so that you can display it to everyone okay now for, for privacy reasons you might not want to or if you're mm-hmm. working somewhere and you don't you don't want your boss to see when you're online or not maybe yeah. you don't want to do that but for everyone else especially for entrepreneurs like yeah. us who work from home whatever you might want to show people when you're online even oh, no. if they're not connected with you and I've made that change. So that's also in, in privacy, 
uh, manage active status, there's an option there that we can say, let all LinkedIn members see my active status. Mm. And I found that when I made that change, more people were leaving me comments, more people were sending me DMs, oh, that's great. more people were sending me connection requests. They go, oh, you know, I can see you're online, let's, let's have a chat about this. Yeah. And so it's just all these little things just make people more likely to want to connect with you. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very right. simple setting change to make, but it's, it's, a, it's an extra chance for people to get in touch. And again, coming back to what I said earlier, it's all about relationships. If you can get a chance yeah. to have a conversation with someone, you, you, you'll, you'll get you know get further along there's actually there's one other thing i've remembered about the about section in my about section i use what i call a secret word not really secret at all but okay i put a, a line in my about section somewhere in the middle saying if you've read this far include this word in your in your invitation to me and i've put a word in there okay and the people who mention that i know he or she has read my profile yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to going let's Add Just 100 new connections connection, today. Connection, 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 connection. Yeah, yeah, don't really I love care that. care about those people. Yeah. But if you, put, if you do something that will, again, spark a conversation, yeah. show you something, that, that, that's an indicator of someone who's more interested in you and maybe they'll be yeah. more likely to buy from you. Yeah, no, I love it. I think these are such good practical tips that we could all do. Like I said, I love the follow first one. I also really like the bio one. And I I tweaked my bio recently. In fact, I've written on my actions here, review my LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Because this is what happens. I, I interview people think, oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. But yeah, I love those. I think they are brilliant. Thank you I've so got, much. Go, I've go on, got a couple more for you before we finish go on then. Hashtags. A load of people ask about hashtags. Because it's fairly new-ish, isn't it? It's mainly the people who've come across from Instagram who are used yeah. to seeing 28 hashtags on every post. Yeah. But actually, LinkedIn say don't use more than three. Okay. They've said that in an official blog post. So yeah. don't use more than three. And I recommend using a mix of personalized or customized hashtags you've made up for yourself, for your brand, yeah. and things that are popular in, in your industry. So you get a mix of personal branding and exposure for people who are looking for things like social hashtag social media hashtag yeah. content marketing hashtag digital yeah. marketing that kind of thing so no more than three hashtags and put them at the end for goodness sake yeah, it increases yeah. readability here's another tip this is this one is really hot off the press from a linkedin trainer in australia that i've heard from recently which is that if you and uh, it's bizarre but i trust her if you tag yourself at the end of a post yeah you have Potential for up to 28% more visibility in your posts. Now, that just seems nuts, but she has done her due diligence and she's sure about this. So uh, I'm going to be testing that straight away because That's 28% brilliant. is no messing around there. So, so yeah, that, that, you know, there's loads of these little weird foibles with, with LinkedIn that, that you don't get on other social media. But um, I guess that's why people like me exist is to try and explain I'm how this dying. stuff works. Yeah, exactly. Demystify it all. Exactly. I love it. John, thank you so very much. You've been so helpful. And I have to say, in total honesty, it's so lovely to speak to people about platforms when A, they know it really well, because I'm a generalist. I get told this a lot. I know lots of things about lots of different things, but I don't go to the effort to understand it as much as you have. But also, I don't know what you think listening to this now but often when we go to experts we hear the same things and actually you've told me a lot of stuff that I've never heard before and I would say I'm fairly proficient on LinkedIn so thank you so so very much uh, John I will link up to everything in my show notes so obviously uh, you guys can go there and get all of John's links I would highly recommend going and look at his LinkedIn because he's obviously practicing what he preaches and for me I like to see things in the wild. I like to see them being done so that I can get a real example of, oh, this is what you mean. So I highly recommend you go and follow and connect with John. Mm -hmm. Go find that secret word, put it in a DM. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much, John. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. You're welcome. I've been waiting for this opportunity for ages. So thanks so much for having me on. I'm a massive fan of your podcast, may I say, as well. Thank you so much, John. And we will see you soon. Thanks, John. Cheers. Oh, I love that episode. He was so, such a nice guy, such a nice guy. And obviously, you know, I don't have not nice people on the podcast, but it was just so nice to speak to him. He's so very generous with his knowledge and so valuable. Like I said, the stuff that he was teaching 
I feel like I haven't heard that a lot previously. He does say some things that not the normal LinkedIn experts might say. So yeah, I find that really, really helpful. I really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping you did too. Obviously, let us know. And if you're listening to this, then make sure you tag us in on a social media platform. Obviously, you know, I love Instagram. But if LinkedIn is your bag, then come and tag me in over there. I'm everywhere, as you well know. And I love it for the guests as well to see that you've enjoyed their episode. So please feel free to tag John in as well. Also, because I keep forgetting... I'm picking a review every month and I'm going to post it on my social media and try and tag them in if I know who they are, but keep an eye on my social media and everybody who reviews, I'm going to pick one a month and I'm going to send them a little something in the post, just something really nice for them as a thank you for saying such nice things about the podcast. So if you haven't yet reviewed the podcast, head over to iTunes, go and put your lovely five-star review with some nice comments in there. And you might win this month's little prize. So fab. All right, guys, I'm going to leave you to it. And I will see you on the next episode, a solo episode next week. Have an amazing week until then. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 